Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you ask the questions and we give the answers about all things investing and trading. Now tonight I'm going to share with you how to turn 200 or oh, sorry tonight I'm going to share with you how to turn $20,000 almost said $200,000 but how to turn $20,000 into $1 million trading the stock market. Now it's the fifth Tuesday in the month and that means we're going to take a look at my hot tip for the month. We'll also analyze your stocks, answer your questions and a whole lot more. Hello, I'm Dale Gillam, Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within, and we are Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Now, I'm not sure what you guys were all doing on Sunday night, but after watching my team Geelong win at the football on Sunday afternoon, I was watching 60 Minutes and their story on Crown Casino, uh, and how Crown Casino was involved in money laundering and organised crime. Now, yesterday I did a podcast on my thoughts around this, so if you've not found my podcast yet, just Google Talking Wealth Podcast. I'll just say that again, Talking Wealth Podcast. I think I've been doing those for, geez, 15, 16 years, and there's probably more than a 1,000 podcasts in here, and Janine and I have been doing them for that long, um, but there's a lot there for you. Um, you can even go into iTunes and the podcast with, with the there. So if you go to iTunes, go to their podcast and type in Talking Wealth, you'll come up there, or you type in Dale Gillum Talking Wealth Podcast, you'll find... Um, exactly what you're looking for in the podcast. Now, to me, the media never ceases to amaze me at how they talk about things so um, so that you're glued to the TV. I know with Channel 9 with 60 Minutes, you know, they'll pre-promoting it and it's like, well, I've got to watch 60 Minutes now to see what's going on with Crown. And, you know, the radio do the same and, and the newspapers, they try and get you hooked into, you know, uh, buying the newspaper, what, listening to the radio station. Now, to me, nothing I saw on 60 Minutes was really an eye-opener for me I mean, after all, you're talking about a casino, um, so it really was an eye-opening. Um, or we'll change my view, actually, on Crown Casino, the stock. Uh, but we will have a look at the chart of Crown Casino later in the show, as some of you may be interested to see what happened about it over the last two days since it opened up yesterday morning. Uh, and this is really a good example of why listening to the noise in the market through the media can be really detrimental to you. Now, it's been a really busy past week with reporting season and with Janina, I've had to do a lot more trading for our clients, uh, which has really been interesting and fun. Janine often doesn't let me actually push all the buttons on million dollar trades, but uh, because she's away, I was able to get in and uh, play some trades and uh, have a lot of fun with the 
uh, trading as well. It's a great fun job what we do and being a fund manager and being portfolio manager plus uh, being a trading mentor means my job's a bit varied and I love doing it. It's, it's really fun, as I said, placing million dollar trades. But first up tonight, we're going to take a look at my hot tip of the month. So I'm going to bring that to you right up front so you can have a good look at it. Um, because it really is, as I said, the fifth week of the month. And so every three months, you'll get a hot tip from me because every three months we have a five week month. Um, so we'll have five Tuesdays. So as normal, earlier I recorded my thoughts on the stock in question. So whilst you watch the video, I'll get into the chat and look at your comments and questions so I can get ready to look at everything for you later on in the show. So let's get the video going and I'll see you back in a few minutes. Okay, every third month we're going to have five weeks in the month and so I've decided to actually give them a hot tip of the month. So, and this week, uh, or this month I should say, uh, the stock is Vocus and it's a stock that uh, I came across a number of years ago at the Microcap Conference, which is held every October here in Melbourne and I see a lot of sort of, and I don't come to actually, or don't go to the Microcap Conference to look for stocks for me to buy necessarily as a fund manager because I am invited because of that. Um, I go to look for what might be coming up uh, into the future and uh, Focus is one of those. Um, Jumbo Interactive was another one. There's a whole range of them that I've seen that have done really well since those early days way, way back when. Um, but more recently, our students bought into Vocus Group uh, a couple of months ago and uh, it's been much more of a takeover target in the last couple of months with a couple of takeovers. And we'll look at the chart in a second um, on that and where that actually happened and our students jumped in quite early and got before that first takeover bid and did very very well out of it actually focus was also a takeover target last year so it's basically three different times in the last 12 months uh, somebody has made an offer or um, made noise of making an offer on uh, this stock so let's have a quick look at the charts now I did this stock for our students um, at the time, we had a number of our students and graduates actually trading Vocus at the time when we had the, the, this big move up through here um, in, I think that was uh, June right through here, um, or May, June. Um, if I can get my pointed to work um, in May, June, it jumped right up on the takeover targets. And then as you can see, it's fallen quite heavily since then. So this is why I've got that on my list. And if I put on my little tool, you can see from that high to that low, there's a 40% move between that high to that low. Now there's a few reasons why I'm looking at this stock. Um, but right now it's one of it is because it has been a takeover target three times in the last 12 months. And prior to that, it was moving up quite nicely since April last year, moved up quite on a steady path here after having its all time high way back here in May, 2016. So it did fall very, very heavily out of bed, um, found some support started to rise. Uh, and started to move up in a really nice trend. So there was nearly 77.5% fall here. So it's risen up quite nicely through this period. It's come back to find some support. So let's go and put a couple of tools on it. Now I've had to take off a lot of the tools that I use and talk about with our students and the recording I do for our students on this stock at the time they were trading, it was about 35, 40 minutes long where we're looking at all the different ins and outs of it. But I'm just gonna put a couple of things on here for you to keep things simple. Remember most of the, everybody, on this uh, YouTube channel, most of you uh, are not really experienced traders, so you don't really understand a lot of the techniques that we would use, um, and therefore it's not not much use me putting them on here. But you can see how that moved down into that low into April 2018 was 
pretty good support level through here. So there's one reason why I liked this stock or I liked it um, back through here. There's another level of support coming off that all-time high or previous all-time high back from April 2011. They're at uh, uh, $3.01 and you can see here back in June it hit $2.94 just below it and so far in July there or this current month $2.94 was its low so it's finding some support here because if you look at here the the closes and open and close here are all well well above the line here uh, it didn't go below the line here or did, sorry it did go below the line here but didn't close anywhere near it so it's really staying right above it at this point in time and you can see why it hit some resistance here at $4.90 uh, because we've got some resistance around from that previous all-time uh, not previous um, high there at $4.94 so it was looking really 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 good now let's just put a trend line on there now all I've done is use the trend line tool actually this is not a trend line that I teach our students um, but what it is is more of an indication of momentum that's all the trend line is it's a momentum indicator and it's just sharing you that angle that it goes up and so it move up come back to it moved away from it come back to it and it's found some resistance there again so to me this is a quite a good angle that it is actually going on and lastly I just want to share with you how far it's fallen it's fallen so 75% of the distance of its all-time high. So that all-time high there at $9.40. If you calculate 75% fall from that, that's where you're going to get $2.35. So it's a good resistance level or support level, sorry. And again, you can see here it's really reticent. Only one close and one open there below it really. Uh, the rest of them are either on it or above it. So it's suggesting to me that it's not going to go below that. Now let's go to the weekly chart. And again, this is a really, really condensed version of what I did uh, with our students. And you can see here on the weekly chart, huge big gap from this week, Friday the 24th, or the week ending the Friday the 24th of May. Closed at $3.89 and the next week on that news, it went massively up, opening at $4.86. So if I put my pointer on the close here, whoop, that's the wrong one. I put my, go over here, where are my price range percentage tool? If I put my pointer on there, you can see how it gapped up 25%. Our students were already in this stock. They bought in um, around, on this bar, I believe, they bought in most of them. So they'd made 24, 25% uh, and they sold out pretty much after that high, just on a few rules that we talked a bit about. But you can see then it, it fell away after that bid was rejected and then it jumped up again on news of another possible bid and then it fell out of bed again. So at this point in time, there's a few exciting things about this stock. Now, a couple of things here is the reason why we talked about getting our students out of this at the time and why I did the report is at this point in time, it was just an indication that the company was going to take over uh, a non-binding offer. Um, and the board wasn't really excited about it. And there's a whole range of things around that non-binding offer that wasn't really comfortable in my book. Um, and that's why uh, I suggested to our students to not be in this stock anymore, take your profits and run. Uh, and again, the second offer that came through a couple of weeks later, again, similar types of thing. It really wasn't that something that was solid to me. So I suggested our students, because they were already out of the stock anyway, and not to, to stay away from it till the dust settles. So has that dust actually settled? So let's have a quick look at this. Now I'm just going to put on the, that sort of trend line tool here there. This is a trend line and it's broken below it. So that would suggest going below that, that it, it was weaker. Now it is trading below that, but that's not a reason why I actually like this stock at this point in time. There's a couple of other things that I do like. As it's fallen away, you can see the big volumes that have gone through right through here. 
through these takeover offers, etc. Now, why in the last couple of weeks on these lows, these couple of lows here was quite low, suggesting the selling pressure is not there. And we've seen on this bar here, you can see the volume there, 20.21 million shares, where this bar here was 7.39 million shares. Volumes come in here on the upside, suggesting there's more people wanting to buy this stock. That's starting to interest me. Now, there was a couple of other levels here in terms of what I think with the stock here. There's some of those gaps. And so I'll just click that off so you can see what I'm talking about here. Um, and where was the other one I was talking about here? Click, oh, where is it? Click. And I've lost my little thing. Uh, click, click. Um, anyway, so we've got some gaps here. So there's a gap there, there's a gap there, and there's a gap there. And if I just delete these, you'll see those a little bit easier. Basically what you're looking at is filling gaps. So obviously there's a big gap there and the stock filled the gap here. It had a big gap there and immediately filled it. So far it hasn't filled this gap. There's still a big gap here. So I suggest it would probably do that in its run up. And, and just to fill that gap, if I use my little tool again from here to that where that gap is, there's 12%, but you would expect it to go somewhere up around here, which could be another 20, 25% growth in this stock over the short to medium term. Now, there is some good levels on this stock. And as you can see here, um, we've got some, let me just get put that trend line back in here. You can see some really good support across here. And if I look here at these two lows right through here, you can see at this point in time, there's support there. So there's a low there at uh, $2.94. This one is at $2.94. So a very small little double bottom, not a strong one. And this is where a lot of people get caught in um, taking rules um, or looking at different rules. And they hear about double bottoms, double tops, uh, all sorts of different things like that, but they don't understand the strength of those. But at this point in time, it looks like it's finding support and starting to move up. So at, uh, I'm really looking at, at this stock. Not quite right now, but I suggest you stick it on your watch list and if it does continue to go up, then this would be a stock that you could put in and make some really good money quite quickly. But again, you need to have good stop losses on it and protect your profits at all costs. But this is my little dark horse for the coming months. That's it for my hot stock for this month. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back. I hope you've enjoyed my hot tip for this month. So now it's time to get into some of the emails that I received over the past few days. And thanks to everybody who sent them in. It's a really sort of a, a mishmash of questions. And often on an email, you can give me a hell of a lot more detail than you can in the chat forum. But if you are sending me an email, don't also add to the chat forum as well, like the same stocks, because uh, I've already got them on my emails as well. So let me put my glasses on and I'll get to a couple of them. We've got about five emails tonight and some good questions here. But the first one is from um, Darren Hine and he says, Hi Dale, I recently purchased Ramsey Healthcare a few months back and it's already up about 15% from my buy price. And I feel this stock will be one of the next to back or next to back through $100 over the next few years. Just want to see your thoughts and, uh, and if you might agree. Um, to a large degree, it's pretty irrelevant in my book about whether it's the next stock to go through um, the, the $100 market's really, to me, what I keep saying to everybody is hold stocks while they go up, get out while they go down. So if it does make $100, it does and uh, from that point of view. But I don't really, and whilst I do look at predictions of where the stock is likely to go, and we're looking at, um, if we go and have a look at the chart, you'll see here on the 
left hand side there that we've got uh, it's currently at $72.80 so eventually it's going to go through $100 but it's always about when right now does it look good or does it look weak right now it still looks pretty good at this point in time it's sort of at a bit of a, a precipice here now right now it could turn around uh, and start to fall away but right now I don't think so I think it is still bullish uh, from that point of view so I think it's wise if you do hold it to keep holding it but don't necessarily just set a, you know, a price target I know you're not doing that in terms of saying it's going to be $100 but uh, at this point in time stay with it it trends really really well it's one of these great stocks that I love um, and we love to own at various times for our clients as well you can see how it does make some really really good money but at this point in time um, if it breaks through that $74.12 over the next couple of weeks then I would suggest it will give that all-time high a shake um, but if it starts to turn around and start to fall south then it's probably going to fill that gap and you remember just on the video you just watched about focus that stocks quite often will fill their gap so that's my only reservation with Ramsey at the moment that if it does fall away to fill that gap you're going to see some downside move before it does move up but uh, let's have a look at the next question now I've got one from um, Peter Jury he says uh, howdy Dale love watching the live shows on Tuesday fantastic thanks Peter uh, my question is about NAB I hold around 10,000 in NAB shares and finally after around 14 months in the red last week finally back in the green where do you see NAB heading um, should I get I can't remember don't know the rest of your question because you typed your question in the subject line of the email remember when you're sending the emails in the subject line put wealth within live as your subject and then put your email in the body or your question into the body so let's have a look at um, NAB NAB is probably the worst performing well not probably it is if you look at all the big four banks NAB's always the least best performer if you in ranking them Combank's always number one of the big four Westpac then ANZ then NAB so this is always my least preferred bank and you can see if I just scroll back on that monthly chart and I'll actually have a look at it here you can see here way back through here um, we're talking about 1999 you're buying for the same price you're buying now whereas you're not doing the same thing with a com bank and right now it does look like it's going up um, but there's a few flaws in your strategy if you've been holding it for 14 months going down you should you bought it way too early um, and you probably didn't have some really solid rules on it and a lot of people do that investors do it they when they see a stock they buy go down they hang on to it going oh look I'll keep it till it goes back up to what I paid for it then I'll get out right now NAB looks good most of the banks look a lot better right now and I do think the banks will finish off the year quite strongly but right now I'm not going to give you some predictions on where NAB is actually going to go but I think it's going to do all right what I would suggest you do is now it's back in the green for you put a stop loss on now you've been watching the show uh, if you've read my book you'll know how to do that as well but put a stop loss on it and hold it while it's moving up so next question we've got is from who is it uh, that that was Peter Jury uh, next one I think it's from Yusuf now Yusuf sent me a really nice email uh, a few weeks ago and we did uh, bring it up on the live show and he's got um, I was impressed by your recent suggestion uh, last Tuesday the 23rd of July you provided a very practical example of compounding wealth to become a millionaire um, about how two thousand four thousand ten thousand dollars invested every year in the ASX top 20 um, would result in million dollars compounding dividends and we're going to talk more about that later on in the show he said other educators talk about compounding but you've indicated a clear and easy pathway which anyone with very little knowledge can follow so thanks very much Yusuf for picking that up and really understanding what we're talking about here I've been watching your show since March and have enjoyed the show and more reasons why 
I consider you and Janine an excellent educator. So thanks for really for the nice comments there, Yusuf. Um, you enjoy your job. You seem to drive a lot of pressure from pleasure from answering the questions you get on the show. Yes, we do. Uh, you're experts in the field. Yes, we are. Uh, giving authentic feedback regardless of what questions you receive. So uh, um, thank you for your valuable educational content with your viewers. You create an atmosphere where subconsciously I want to become a little bit more like you. So thank you very much for that. And he says he's bought my book. So really nice comments. So I really enjoy yeah, hearing comments from that from people because it really does help me, inspire me to give more and do more and be a bit better for you. But uh, the next question I've got is from Ben Edwards. And uh, I know Ben's also commented on the chat, so um, on REA. But uh, Ben goes, I just wanted to say thank you, Dale, for completely changing my investment philosophy. The last two months have seen me achieve great highs and now even great lows where my portfolio now sits on a loss. Um, this all occurred by not putting a stop loss on my biggest position near MAP, NEA. That crashed about 25% after not meeting market expectations in their financial year report. Uh, ever since then, I've been trying to make up the losses with day trades and penny stocks I've heard about on the commodities on the communities and podcasts. That's the biggest mistake you've made so far, I believe, Ben, is you don't take tips and things like that from, um, firstly, from chat forums and podcasts and that sort of stuff. Uh, and secondly, you don't day trade. From my point, from what I'm seeing here and from what I've um, seen from you in the past, you're not a, a good trader. So trying to day trade and especially penny stocks, you're going to get slammed all the time. And so please, please stay away from day trading and stay away from penny stocks at this point in time. That's my big, big advice. So um, as you can imagine, some have worked, but some are falling hard. That's probably what I would have guessed anyway. Um, at this point, everything feels like a mess and I feel I'm needing to make a fresh start. Last week, I stumbled across your podcast on a Twitter feed and have now read your book over two days. I now decided to sell 10 of my current portfolio while maintaining my three big, biggest position, um, Jumbo, Real Estate, um, REA, and Kip McGrath, that have done well for me over the past five months. I know you get overwhelmed by stock uh, opinion request, but love to hear your thoughts. And he goes on a little bit, um, but I will bring up now, we're gonna bring up Jing, uh, Jumbo Entertainment, REA, and Kip McGrath, have a good look at those for him. Because uh, it's really important to understand uh, the psychology behind people who are, uh, investing in trading or pretending to trade or uh, attempting to trade in the marketplace. It's really good to understand the psychology and looking at them. And generally, as we talk about, a lot of people go for the smaller end of the market and the, those sorts of stock. Now, Jumbo was a micro cap only a few years ago. I remember seeing the uh, the founder of Jumbo Interactive back, oh, geez, back probably seven, eight years ago at the micro cap conference, which I also mentioned uh, in my recording on Vocus and uh, the the founder of Jumbo was there. And I went, hmm, this will be a nice stock in the years to come. And as you can see in the last couple of years, it's done very, very well, but it's just vertical right at this moment. And right now I'd be worried about it coming down. So I'd be having a stop loss on that. I would suggest if it starts to break below that 18.55 low, then I would start to exit that stock because you can't keep up those sort of massive pace for too long and I think your buying this stock was more good luck than good strategy uh, from that point of view. REA, another great stock, it's moving up beautiful, it has moved up perfectly. Again, it's going vertical uh, at the current last few months there and you can see when stocks start to go vertical, they can't keep up that kind of momentum and they will slow down. But uh, uh, seeing a little bit over the last few weeks, but right now again, 
I'd be staying with that stock. I'd be putting a stop loss underneath my trade. Uh, this one's the interesting one, Kip McGrath. This is a speculative stock and you can tell that really, really quickly. If I do that, you can see a dash there, almost a dash there. And this is a weekly chart and there's a really indecision here. If I go to a daily chart, you can see a lot more of these little dashes here, which says to me, there's very little market participation in this stock when you see dashes like that. So people look at volume in terms of there's 910 shares sold or bought uh, today. Um, yesterday, we're looking at uh, 5,818. This is not a stock for anybody new to the market should be in. And I wouldn't touch it myself, uh, with my, all my knowledge, because there really are low liquidity. If you want to get out of these quickly, you're going to take bigger hits because the bid ask spreads are wider. Um, and if there's some bad news, you're going to struggle to get out of them. So whilst you're in money on it, um, it's not a stock that I would have in any portfolio that I'd be designing for any of our clients. So, But uh, it is good. But obviously, you've read my book and things are going to change. So stick with the book. If you've got questions, send them through to info at wealth within com.au and, and say, hey, Dale, I've got a question regarding your book uh, to get this turned around for you and get you into better stocks and a better structure in what you're actually doing. So, but uh, great questions and thanks, Ben, for doing that. Now, I think it's time we have a look at the chat and then we'll get into some of the stocks that you've or everyone has been asking us to look at tonight. So having a look at the chat, there was a really good question at the top. It says, uh, Tim Smith says, do you take short interest into account when trading? Now, Tim, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about, whether you're talking about percentage short sold or you're talking about leverage trading when you're trading short and there's interest components of that because obviously there's implied borrowings when you're looking at trading short. But I think um, you're talking about shorts, percentage shorts sold. Like for example, Harvey Norman um, was, is generally quite high in the percentage shorts sold or, or the market having short selling positions on the stock. And uh, to give you an answer on that is, yes, we take a little bit of notice, but not a lot of notice. The, the, the charts tell us everything that Janine and I need to know and whether we're liking the stock or not. And uh, when you have something that's short sold or heavily short sold, what you've got to remember is the market gets it wrong most of the time or most traders get it wrong. Um, and so therefore the percentage short sold is not necessarily a good indication to us about the direction of the marketplace. But because uh, as I said, constantly um, stocks like JB Hi-Fi and, um, and Harvey Norman are constantly on the large short selling list. But have a look at their stock price now. But great question to ask. Now, Ross is asking me, Ross B says, Hi Dale, got both PGH and LNK on my watch list. I think it's too early for both just yet. Wanted to hear your thoughts on both. So let's have a quick look at those. So we've got uh, PGH. GH uh, is the first one. Packed Group Holdings. Now it's fallen heavily from that all-time high back here, um, back in, what is that one? Um, in May 2007. Let me just bring this up and you can see the whole history of this stock. So it's just come off its all-time low down at 220. Again, this is where, uh, I'm not saying this is bottom picking, but uh, it is basically bottom picking. And you know my thoughts on bottom picking. Yes, the stock was up at around uh, $7.34 and yes, it's fallen quite heavily uh, down to this low at 72%, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm getting super, super excited on it. So that doesn't mean it's trading in a new uptrend. This could be just one of these little one or two bar moves here or two or three bar moves through, through here before it falls away again. At this point in time, it's it's time to be seen. Well, it's, uh, we have to wait to be seen whether there's confirmation that that is a low. And I'd rather see it move up and back 
and provide a better, where's my trend arrow, do something like this, move up, come back like that, and then start to move up before I even get interested in it. And that could be three, six, nine, 12 months away because this is the high risk area. Now there could be 100, 200% growth in here, but you're taking high risk in doing it. You're far better off waiting for the confirmation that the low is in and that will move up because there's plenty of upside. Don't jump too early. Uh, that said, it does look a little bit better on the weekly chart from that point of view. We've had a move down a little bit and it's moving up, but again, I'm not convinced at this point in time. Uh, Link was the other one that you mentioned, and this looks this is the dog stock of the night at the moment, mate, so sorry about that. Um, it's going down, and right now there is absolutely no joy on that chart for you, so uh, this is the run for the hills. Stay away from it. Don't get into it. Don't even look at it uh, until it starts to give you some strength again. Look for better stocks. Uh, this is not one of those ones at this point in time, but thanks for asking the question. Um, Francis, Francois Gobler says, Hi Dale, I'm paper trading and bought Sun. So let's see, what else did you say? He bought it on the 5th of July, paper trading at 13.56. After saw three weeks up on a weekly chart, now it seems to be trading sideways. Um, after I looked at the monthly chart, he said it seems to have no upward trend line. Should I be selling sideways stock or holding onto it? I don't want my I don't want my money to be stuck in a stock moving sideways. So let's have a look at Sun now. He says he said he's paper trading this stock, and he bought it after what he said three weeks up on the fifth of July. So that'll be that bar there. So he bought it during this week. Few major major issues that you've got here is one is that's not a buy signal. Three weeks up does not constitute a new uptrend. Um, that's number one, so please don't consider it. And getting stuck in a sideways stock, and this is what I find some people do, they get in a stock and it moves sideways for a little bit, they get impatient, they get out and the stock takes off like a rocket. So what is long enough time? And it's, it's uh, to hold the stock moving sideways, and people are impatient quite regularly, things not moving in the direction. They jump ship and they joke, go somewhere else, only to suffer the same fate or worse, to get a stock that's falling away, and the original stock they looked at, took off like a rocket. So um, be patient, it's a great stock. And Suncorp, you can see there on the right-hand side of the chart, it's looking really, really good. It's come off an all-time high back here, if I bring that up. So right now, not an all-time high, sorry, it's all-time highs back here in 2006, come off a major high here in August 2018. But big long-term bullish move here. So yes, it's been sideways for quite a while, since July 2014. But eventually it's going to break out of that and move up or down. My suggestion is it will move up, but I'm not saying it will do that right now. But you need a few better rules, Francois, but great question. Um, I'm going to look at one more question now before I go into my topic for the night. And this one's from Todd. Uh, Todd says, um, I'm on an all-time high, so is my portfolio. Fantastic, Todd. That's great to hear. Thanks, Dale, for your book and wisdom. Can you do a show on tax tips, general in nature, of course, for us novice new traders, just organizing my records now. And um, um, Todd, I, I'm not an accountant, so I'm not really gonna get into tax topics on here, and I hope accountants don't get into investing topics uh, that I'm an expert in. And really, there's not a lot I would, could actually say on tax. I mean, you know, there's basically from a tax office point of view, it is are you classifying yourself as a trader or an investor? And your accountant's the better person to work that out for you. The other things that I would talk about would be structures. If in terms of the structures that you're actually trading through, whether it's an individual, a joint with your partner, maybe your wife or whatever else, um, or whether it's a, a company uh, or whatever that structure is, or trust or family trust, um, or superannuation fund, SMSF. So all of those have different tax connotations. So it's probably a little bit 
Uh, and there's plenty of some really good books out there on tax structures, um, corporate structures or, or investing structures out there as well. But uh, the best person to talk to, your accountant. Um, also, I just saw a question from Jazza Mack. He said, I'm a fan of Disney stock. I know you never look much into speculation. Disney's not a speculation stock. It's one of the biggest stocks in the US. And um, I have looked at it a number of times on my US report. I actually like Disney at the moment, actually. But again, um, investing in the US is a different story. But let's now get on to the topic for tonight's show. Otherwise, I won't get back into um, the stocks um, early enough. But uh, uh, And our topic for tonight is how to turn $20,000 into $1 million trading the stock market. Now, this week's topic is also going to build on last week's discussion, discussion where I showed you how to become financially independent and retire early with $1 million trading the medium to long-term portfolio. Um, now, if you remember, we showed you how by investing a lump sum per annum and compounding your growth in the stock market using active portfolio management strategy as opposed to a buy and hold strategy, returning an annual compounded return of 12.54%, you could accumulate $1 million for your retirement. So this week I'm going to build on that strategy and show you how you can reduce the time it takes for you to accumulate $1 million using the portfolio management strategies that I introduced to you around six weeks ago on this show. So go back and have a look at it. When we discuss how to set up a trading portfolio to generate $50,000 of income per annum. So you might remember that show. And if you haven't had a chance to watch the show or last week's show, I encourage you to do so. Not right now, but after we finish here, as you'll learn a lot of great strategies to set you up financially when trading the stock market. Now let's briefly recap one of the portfolio management strategies that I use or what I like to call my golden rules to success in the stock market. Now to ensure you minimize your risk in managing a portfolio or encourage all traders to only invest 10% of their available capital in trading short-term highly leveraged markets and I would put things like penny dreadfuls speculative stocks in that bracket. I wouldn't put a lot of money into those either. Um, and allocate the remaining 90% remaining to trading medium to long term in your portfolio. Now this is a very solid money management rule that allows you to take low risk approach with your money while still achieving good returns on your capital. Now the goal with this rule is to have the 10% allocated to trading short term, highly leveraged markets achieve equal to or better returns when compared to the other 90% of your capital. Remember, however, as you've heard me stress many, many times before, particularly if you read my latest book, Accelerate Your Wealth, It's Your Money, Your Choice, you'd need to ensure you are consistently profitable trading the stock market over the medium to long term before you consider this approach. In fact, without the right education, it will cost you a lot of lost capital and opportunity if you get it wrong. Now, when trading your short-term portfolio, you also need to ensure that you hold no more than four leverage positions at any one time to minimize your risk. That way you have the remaining cash accessible in the event of a margin call if the leverage asset loses value. Another one of my rules if you're going to start trading short-term highly leveraged markets is to have a minimum of $20,000 in capital in your portfolio. I know a lot of people try and trade FX with a couple of thousand dollars and that's fraught with danger. It's actually mathematically impossible to be profitable there. So uh, in essence, I, I do stress that you look at having $20,000 capital in your portfolio so that the size of each position traded is in either the short-term or the medium to long-term portfolio is not adversely affected by transaction costs. 
So let's consider how this strategy works with the $20,000 in capital that you have. You would allocate $18,000 to your medium to long-term portfolio and the remaining $2,000 you allocate to your short-term trading or leveraging or trading on a margin of 10 to 1. For example, you would have $20,000 in your short-term trading account. Let me say that while it's not inconceivable to turn $20,000 into $1 million using the strategy, if you want to fast track this goal, you still need to implement a saving strategy as we told you about last week. Therefore, we're going to assume that you can invest an additional $10,000 per annum commencing at the end of the first year of trading your portfolio. And we're also going to assume you have the knowledge to achieve the same returns on your medium to long-term portfolio as you do when trading your short-term portfolio. Now, as you can see, the starting capital in your medium to long-term portfolio is $18,000, while the starting capital in your short-term trading account is $20,000, trading on a margin of 10 to 1. We're also going to revalue the starting position of each portfolio at the beginning of each year, so that the total capital at risk in your short-term trading account never exceeds more than 10% of your total capital. In reality, you would actually do this each time the capital in your short-term portfolio exceeds 10% of your total capital. But for the purpose of this exercise, we're just gonna keep it really simple for tonight. Now let's consider the outcome if you achieved a compounded annual return of 12.54% on each portfolio. Now table one there that you're seeing on your screen shows that you can reach $1 million in 11 years by starting with an initial capital of $20,000 and investing $10,000 per annum at the beginning of each successive year. You can see it takes 11 years or half the time and almost half the capital it took trading the medium to long-term portfolio to reach $1 million. This is because you have double the amount of capital working for you with the additional short-term trading account. But what if you are unable to achieve the same compounded return on your short-term trading account as you did on your medium to long-term portfolio? Obviously, the time it takes you to reach a goal of $1 million will be a little bit longer, but as you can see, it's still substantially less than trading a medium to long-term portfolio alone. As the table shows, it will take you just over 14 years to achieve your goal, assuming you only achieve a compounded annual return of 8% on your short-term trading account, while still achieving an annual compounded return of 12.54% on your medium to longer-term portfolio. The actual investment value on the screen is the capital value at the end of 14 years, but that aside, as you can see, the goal of reaching $1 million was achieved eight years earlier than if you'd had traded a medium to long portfolio only. And of course, if you have less than $10,000 per annum to invest each year, your goal to reaching $1 million will take a little bit longer, but it is still very achievable. But once again, I must stress, if you venture down this path to begin trading highly leveraged markets before you've proven to yourself that you can consistently make money trading over the medium to long term, you will not only be putting your capital at risk, but also your psychology which will have an even greater impact. They say losses impact you 10 times more than profits. Um, so your ability to be consistently profitable will suffer uh, in your medium to long-term portfolio if you don't follow those rules. So I implore you to get educated because the benefits will pay off tenfold. Remember, I think it was Einstein who said, education is the progressive realization of our ignorance. I'll say that again. Einstein said education 
is the progressive realization of our ignorance. In short, he says you don't know what you don't know, and it's only through gaining a good education that you discover how much you didn't know. Um, another quote I've got, another famous quote I've got is, what a wise man does in the beginning, fools do in the end. Um, and so that was a great quote from Buffett. Uh, and to mean Buffett, I think Buffett was paraphrasing somebody else. I have heard it from somebody else, but it's a really good quote. So, And when he said, what the wise do in the beginning and fools do in the end, I've been doing these live shows since the start of March, as everybody knows. And I'm sure that if you've watched all of the shows, you would have seen many comments or questions on stocks that um, would highlight pretty much what Mr. Buffett and I are saying here in terms of what the wise man does in the start, the fool does in the end. Often people um, do everything back to front. Now, in these examples over the past few weeks, uh, we've just used the compounded return from the results in my book or used even lower returns. So not to inflate things, overinflate things for you to make you think, wow, I can make a million dollars really, really quickly. Now, to be clear for everyone, these are what you could expect in being an active investor who invests with a small amount of knowledge that can be gained from my book. Now, anyone who really is serious and wants to generate higher returns will need more knowledge and skill and experience. Often people call themselves traders uh, and, when they, and then when they tell me they are more active investors. So to me is whilst a lot of people, uh, in fact, the number of people who talk to us uh, on the phone or, or email through a lot of people when they're talking about or re inquiring about our courses, they tell, they tell us they're traders and they mistakenly believe they're traders and it's really astounding when they really are more active investors. And to me, educated traders like graduates of our diploma course achieve far, far better returns than the active investors. Now, what I mean by that is active investors don't necessarily have a trading plan. They don't use stop losses. They've not backtested things. They don't understand their win-loss ratios, their profit-loss ratios. If you don't understand then you're not a trader. And, I, and I'm serious when I say that probably, unless you're a student or graduate of ours, that 98% of the people watching today or tonight uh, and these recordings, you're not actually trading. Uh, you're more of an active investor because you don't have solar strategies and processes. And that's what a trader does. Now, for example, um, talking about what our students can do and, and so how they achieve far, far better returns than active investors in the majority in the market. We had an example in our e-news that went out today and uh, we shared a story of one of our graduates that was published in uh, Your Trading Edge magazine not too long ago. And his, his name's Steve. Uh, and now Steve now makes triple digit profits. I'll say that again. He now makes triple digit profits from his trading after coming to us. Now, prior to doing our diploma course, he bought expensive software and uh, I think it was like over fifteen dollars to $20,000 he paid for it. Lost, didn't make a cracker, he says. Um, he did weekend workshops on CFDs and options. And one of those he mentions costing him over $17,000 for a weekend workshop. Now I'm pretty sure that I can follow you around for two days, sit beside you at your desk or where you work for two days and have you explain everything to me about your job and there's no way I'm gonna be able to do it. Um, and so it really does astound me that people think they can go to a weekend workshop and pretend that they can do what I do. But uh, after all that, he still struggled because all he got was information not education and generally a lot of these educators or perceived educators like they're more marketing organizations and most of them are in queensland which is not to say anything about queensland but you get what i'm talking about here and, and generally those are the ones that promote themselves the heaviest are the ones you should stay away from the most 
Now, if you've not subscribed to our new our e-news uh, letter, get onto our website and do so. It's free and it's very informative. You can just do that, fill out one of the forms on there. And Steve's story can be found on our website in full under the reviews tab. And you click on case studies and just search for Steve and you'll be able to read the full story there. But uh, the equation is really, really, really simple. The higher level of knowledge, skill and experience that you have, the higher the returns that you can generate for yourself. As I said, we've been super conservative in our figures that we've got for these examples that we've been doing the past month. So are you ready to make triple digit returns? That's my question to you. So that's it for my topic this week. I hope you've got a lot out of it. Now I think it's the time we get back into more stocks for um, everyone. So let's have a look at the chat forum and I'll bring up, see what we're doing here. Um, we've got Ben, we did, uh, we've got to do Telstra and we did Telstra? No, we did REA, did we? No, we didn't do that. So let's go into Telstra for quickly for Ben, having a look at that. Again, I looked at this a few weeks back and Telstra does still look great for me in my mind. Uh, there's probably nothing I need to add here, but I think it's more on a medium to longer term trend. Great for self-managed, super fun portfolios. It pays a good dividend. It's a steady earner, um, very low risk. So good for newbies. So anybody who's new to investing and trading on the market, at, um, Telstra is the one that you can have a look at here. Um, we've got Jonathan Cassie said, hi Dale, uh, thanks again for the show. Just wanted to ask what stocks you'd be buying at the moment. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, there'll be a cold day in hell before I ever tell you what stocks we're buying for our, our clients. It's just not gonna have it happen. I don't do that. Um, I'm a fund manager and my clients pay us to do stocks for them. Um, so I'm never gonna tell you what I'm buying personally or what we're buying. Uh, and we don't tell people what to buy and sell. That's really your job to do that. I'm here to educate you. Um, so do your work and you'll make the returns. And, uh, and I strongly say this to people is, don't take tips, it really. Tips will make you broke. You're better off spending your time learning how to do it yourself because in the end of the day, you're gonna have to manage it. And, and I might like Telstra, like we just talked about, and I think that's a great stock, and you might buy it today or tomorrow uh, when the market opens. And next week, my opinion changes on it. That's why I don't go into chat forums and tips and all those sorts of things, because you're gonna, unless you've got the solid strategies and skills for yourself to manage the portfolio or those stocks, then you're gonna struggle to get good returns. And um, I did tell a story um, a few months back on, we used to do a stock tipping sheet well over 10 years ago. And we gave a 100% money back guarantee that if you did make money, we'd give you money back. And everybody who asked from, and you just had to follow our tips when we said to, buy and sell exactly when you said to, we, when we said to. And 100% of the people asking for their money back didn't get their money back because they 100% never followed my recommendations when we put them all out. So they were killing their returns because of their lack of knowledge, even though at one stage uh, we had a 92% win-loss ratio. So that was pretty impressive. Um, but again, you're better off looking at yourself and what, understanding what you're buying and selling for yourself. But uh, let's move on. Um, we've got, what do we got here? We've got uh, Gepard, we've, uh, we've already done some stuff for you, so I won't do those for you. We're running out of time. Jazz says, um, but Phil, they might hit legal bar. That was Crown Casino. We didn't do that, did we? So let's have a quick look at Crown. I just want to show you just a bit of what the media says and um, Jazz and Max obviously commenting on that. I feel they might confront legal battles come at the end of the year. How do huge fines affect bottom lines and company sentiment? Huge fines in terms of dollar terms, but geez, you know, like it's like the big fine that Facebook had. That's one month in revenue for them. They had it, it was billions of dollars. So it's really not a, a big issue. And generally they factor in and the huge fines on the banks. Have a look at what the banks have been doing this year whilst the Royal Commission uh, results came out this year. They've been going up. 
and they've got huge fines. So that's probably a good idea for you. Here's Crown Resorts. And so let's bring up Crown. Now look at this. It was very much more, wasn't super bullish through here, even though James Packer sold out a whole heap of his shares earlier this year. Um, it's not looking super, super strong. So, but the announcement really hasn't pushed it down a lot. If I put here from the close last week, remembering yesterday it opened up 2.13% after the 60 minute show. It traded down up to 7.73% over the last two days and currently it's down 5%. Now you'd think if that was really bad news that the market would have sold this stock big, big time and it'd be down 20 or 30%. Right now, it doesn't look much on this monthly chart, does it? So right now it doesn't look like it's changing tact at all, but uh, it is good to see from that point of view and it's just hitting some resistance level, support level through here. So uh, my opinion, even after the show, uh, uh, the 60 minute show hasn't really changed my opinion on Crown, but it is really, really good to have a look at. Um, Todd's saying, can you please look at Sims Metal? I don't own it, but looking to enter. So let's have a quick look at Sims Metal. I think, where is it? Let me bring it up. Is Where's SGM? There it is there. Sims Metal is, an, is a nice stock, actually. I like some of these sort of um, stocks like Blue Scope Steel and that at the, this point in time. They're looking a lot better. They've had these major lows back in 2016, and they've sort of done what I was talking about earlier. Remember when I had my little trend arrow out and I said, look, I'd like to see it do this, do that, and start to move up again rather than jump in really, really early. And this has really done that in over a period of a couple of years. So this is sort of what I like to see. Now, sometimes I'll do it in 12 months, sometimes 18 months, sometimes in six months, but it's a bit bigger here. And right now we've seen a low at 8.91, and then we've seen this other low here at um, $9.19. So slightly higher. So that's looking good uh, from my point of view, but right now there's a lot of resistance at this point in time around about that level, somewhere around there, that 12-ish dollar. So if it gets sort of through that sort of level 12-ish, um, then I think it's quite a nice looking stock at this point in time. So it's one to stick on your watch list, Todd. So well done on that one. Um, Terry Dunn is saying, um, hi everyone. I'd like to hear your thoughts on Harvey Norman and IAG. Harvey Norman, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier. It's one of those ones I actually do do actually like. So let's go to that one. JB Hi-Fi is another one that's doing okay at this moment and moving towards the end of the year these stocks will generally do better. But look at that, Harvey Norman's nice little trending um, stock at this point in time, had its low there in November, moving up beautiful, only a short move down over this month here back in May, moving up quite nicely, moving into this sort of area here. But I think there's some good upside left on this stock at this point in time after it went a little bit sideways for a while. And this is sort of what I was talking about earlier is some people jump into stocks like this and then the price goes sideways and down a little bit, they jump out of it only to see it move up. So. Harvey Norman does look reasonably good at this point in time um, from that point of view. Now, IAG is the next one. Again, another beautiful looking stock, big stock, well liquid stock. And have a look at that. This is magic, magic. Big move down through into 2011. Moved up beautifully again, came down only a little bit into 2015. Another short move down here into 2018. Right now, I think it's going great. I think if you do own it, and um, I'm not sure who was again, um, Terry, I'm not sure whether you own it or you don't, but right now, if you own this, stay with it uh, and just put a trailing stop loss underneath it. Um, that could be in the form of my book, you know, in terms of what's in my book, it'd be easy for you to manage from that point of view, but really, really good. Um, we've got David Morrison. Hi, Dale. What are your thoughts on Macquarie? Macquarie we looked at last week. This has been the best performing bank since the GSE, and it was a beautiful performing bank 
prior to the GFC, just in the middle between the start and the end of the GFC, it was pretty crap to own. But right now, again, another brilliant stock um, to own. It is a good bank, and I think there's no reason why it won't continue on this nice, steady path. It's a good stock. These sorts of stocks like IG Macquarie look really good in your portfolio, and they really underpin it. Too many people really struggle with their portfolio construction, and there's one down here, and I'll talk about it in a second, a question down here in a minute, but always have some really good stocks like this to underpin your portfolio, because you want to take some of the volatility out of your portfolio. You don't want to have highly volatile stocks right across the board in your portfolio. You really do want to have some good ones that are steady movers, like a Telstra, like your Macquarie, like your CSLs, your Cochleas, your Wes Farmers um, in there, and then intersperse them with a few more, spec not speculative stock, more um, volatile stocks. And so go and have a look at my book and, and buy my book and you'll see how I break those up in the portfolios and what percentages we weight to those different um, areas in terms of more volatile, more cap, more stable, more high dividend yielding ones. Um, from that, Andy Chan said, love the show, wondering what you think of SD, sorry, SDA. So Speedcast, and I did look at that because it was a huge big fall um, back on the week ending the 5th of July. Right now it's crap, don't like it, don't know why you'd be looking at it pretty much. Um, that's pretty much what I think on this stock. Um, it's not one of those stocks that you want to put in your portfolio. Look at this, it's just a bit of a mess. Um, it's not highly liquid, 4 million shares at $2, not too bad. Um, what did it do today? Um, did 5 million you know, around $1.90, not too, not too illiquid, but not super, super liquid. But uh, there's a huge reason for this big fall, but right now I'd stay right out. This is a bottom picking thing that, as you know, I don't really get into bottom picking. Um, Bill North says, hi Dale, do you have any thoughts on the best way to manage a portfolio, including cash that is used to fund day-to-day -day living? Huge question, Bill, and I'd love to be able to answer it in 60 seconds, but it's probably not gonna happen. Um, have a read of my book, because that'll help you understand a hell of a lot more. Um, from that point of view, but we can do it is obviously balancing out from a cash point of view. Uh, we do have clients that we do manage portfolios for that we allow this to happen and we work it out with them where we you know, push dividends back out to them. So you might set that instead of having dividends being reinvested, paid to you. Uh, that's a way to get cash. Also having, like we talked about, about earlier, having 10% of your capital into more shorter term and trading for shorter term will bring you that capital uh, or that cash flow that you might need for your living. And that's why we use short term trading. And that's how I teach our traders. The big portion of their portfolio actually makes the most amount of money. So that medium to longer term, that just compounds and grows and grows and grows. And then they might use margin lending to increase exposure. But the short-term trading is the cash flow. That's what they live on. And while they're building the rest of it up, and then they slowly pull back on the short-term and, and travel the world, pretty much, I suppose, if that's the easy way to, to explain it. But uh, a bit too hard a question to really explain in detail um, in the few minutes that I do have on the show. Uh, Mark Hall's saying, hi, Dale, just wanted to say thanks. I have my portfolio full of ASX 25 stocks, um, just sitting back now watching them gain in value. Uh, if you've got 25 stocks in your portfolio, you're not practicing good portfolio management, you're way over diversified, Mark. So I think I'd pull that back. If you've read my book, you know I talk about eight to 12 stocks. You're way over diversified, a lot more portfolio management skills to be had there. So just have a look at that and be ready to sell. Over the next couple of months, remember we're talking about, I've saying the market is gonna peak out between now and sort of September and start to fall away. So you're gonna get ready to sell, probably you sell a lot of stocks, probably at least a third of those, maybe even up to half of those stocks will start falling away from you, uh, for you. And it depends on your actual goal of your portfolio. If it's medium to longer term buy and hold, then it may not worry you, but 
generally when I see that sort of stuff, and I know the market's peaking out, you'll sell at least third to 40, maybe even up to 50% of your portfolio. Um, we've got a question from S. Anthony. Love the show, Dale. Been watching the last couple of months. I've been following SOL. So that's Sol Patterson. Um, for the last couple of months, it's been trading sideways. Do you think it'll break out soon? So let's have a quick look at that. Um, it's been trading sideways since there. You can see that since May. So it really is. It will break out soon. And generally, when you're talking about that, you generally don't get these sideways patterns for more than about three or four months, although this has been a little, probably about, you know, we're talking about May. So we're only in sort of a, you know, May, June, July, about three months, three, four months. So that will be still fitting in there. At this point in time, I don't think it's going to break upwards. That's that's really what I'm quickly seeing here. Uh, if it starts to trade below here, that 2180 or even down sort of here, down this low here, I'd be just exiting the stock. Um, and it's generally not necessarily, because it's a big stock, but it's generally not highly liquid. It's very, I believe from memory, it's very well held by the family um, and that they've got the big interest. So it's a little bit less liquid. As you can see, they're 2 million shares at around $20. So whilst there's a lot of money in there, there's not a lot of volume going through it uh, because of that. Not a big issue because that just means it can trend reasonably well. But right now, I think the downside has probably more probability than upside, but that's it. I'm not discounting it'll break up, but uh, at this point in time, I just have a uh, stop loss underneath the shares if you don't own, if you own them at this point in time. If you don't own them right now, I wouldn't be buying them unless they do break up quite strongly from there. Uh, let's go on. What do we got here? Oh, Mark saying thanks so much. I'm looking to do your diploma course. Good on you, Mark. I'd love to support you and mentor you through that. Um, Alan Courtsey said hi, hi. Uh, great to be here again. Oh, welcome back, Alan. Slicko, you said, hi, Dale. Been looking at ASX. Seems to be going up uh, long and short term. Um, how would you know when the peak would be, if any? Now, ASX, as we've got here on the screen, is... Jeez, how do I know when the peak is? That's another huge, huge question. Unless you're really strong on your technical analysis skills, you're never going to get it right. And it's not, can I say without being rude, it's not really, really relevant to you at all. You don't know what, you don't need to ever know where the top is. You just need to know how to exit. And that's the important thing. And I continue to say that every single week. A lot of people tell me they know how to buy a share and that uh, we have a survey that we do on this uh, on YouTube. We also survey people on our website when they ask, uh, looking at, um, uh, there's a Q&A survey on our website. And the majority of people, when they fill it out, say, I know how to buy, but I don't know how to sell. And what's more important, knowing how to sell. Because it's not until you put the money back in, the, in your bank account do you actually get the money. So on the ASX, ride it while it goes. If the waves are good, stay with them. If the sun's shining, stay out in the sun. Uh, if the stock's rising, stay with it. Let profits run. Cut losses short. So make sure you've got a stop loss on it. Where would you have your stop loss on this? Geez, it's a bit tough right at the moment. You've had this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven months straight up. It'll have a month down or a month or two down in the near to in the near future, and I would expect it's probably going to be moving down into the low, obviously, probably in September, October uh, there. But um, it, again, that doesn't mean it's going to be long-term bearish. But right now it looks good, so stay with that. Um, I think it's Chad Stacy. Does anyone here buy or sell? Or did anyone here buy Sezzle um, earlier today? Sezzle actually floated on the Australian Stock Exchange today. Um, it's a US company like Afterpay, and this is just pure speculation. That's I, I wouldn't have my money anywhere near it. And you can see here from from the it's a backdoor listing. 
basically. And you can tell that from here because obviously there's seven and a half cents um, this stock. So they backdoor listed because of all of this. You can see that it gapped up. It opened right up here. I think they said it opened up about 80% above expectations and traded down. This says to me there's a lot of people trying to stagger profit. And when you try and stagger profit, you're playing um, games with the devil. Um, stay out of it. Um, there's a lot more competition in this area with Afterpay and you've got Visa involved in that sort of stuff. You're going to get, if there's a lot of money in this area, you're going to get a lot of people, a lot more companies coming into it. So I would actually stay out of this. Um, there's a hell of a lot more questions on here and I'm sorry, I don't really, I'm not really going to have the time to go through all of those questions for you because we're down to that last minute. But let me just look at one more stock for people. Um, if my guys will let me do that. Um, we've got Bevan and Nani said, hi Dale, love the show. Um, uh, and a while back you said NUF broke 460. You would be really excited is broken that now. Uh, oh, sorry, if, if broke 460, you'd be really excited. It's broken that now. Where do you see it heading? So let's look at NUF, wherever it is. I don't even have it there. Uh, let me just quickly bring that up for two seconds. NUF. And let's bring that up. Yeah, it's broken. That's the 460 through there, uh, 462. I still like it. It's still looking quite nice. And it's probably we've had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven and a bit weeks up. So it's looking quite nice at this point in time. Um, and I think we probably are starting a new uh, medium term uptrend on this stock. And uh, if it gets, we get 10 or 11 weeks up, then it'll definitely confirm that it's been going up or medium to longer term. Now, sorry guys, I can't get to all of the other uh, ones. You know, Adrian says, I love your work, really enjoying your live show. Thanks matey. So uh, there's a lot of really, really nice comments there from everybody. So please thank you. Uh, or thank you for posting all those and thank you for all your great questions. But uh, so I hope you really have enjoyed tonight's show and, and really thanks for participating. Um, I also know a lot of people did contact us regarding the, the mentoring that I'm doing uh, with some traders. So for those of you who did um, uh, enroll, um, I'll be in contact with you hopefully in the next week to get all that starting with you. But as I said, hope you did enjoy tonight's show. If you need uh, anything, you know exactly where we are. But if you'd like to see the show grow, then remember to share it on your social media with your friends and colleagues. So, you know, hit that little buttons down there and share the, the videos with your friends and colleagues, because not only will you be helping someone else um, at the same time, you'll be helping yourself because the more people that join, the more we can share with you. And that means the more you learn or everybody learns and the bigger the show can grow and the more the show grows, the better we can actually do it. Also, make sure you put the show into your calendar for next week. So you're back online next Tuesday, uh, 7 p.m. So shove it into your calendar. And if you can't be with us live next week, we're always happy to receive your questions. So send them to info at wealthwithin.com. And remember, type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. Don't put your question there. Put Wealth Within Live in the title of the email, then your question underneath it. And I really do want to hear your thoughts on why you're interested in the stock or if you own it, if you don't own it, what your thoughts are, because that helps you learn. And the thing is with me, it's really about uh, a lot of people we talked about, um, you know, what a wise man does in the start, a fool does in the end. I learn a lot more from your questions than I guess most people learn from my answers. So I'll say that again, I learn a lot more from the questions that I get from people than most people learn from my answers. And it might sound a little funny, but the, the reason why is most people are ignorant to the value of what the knowledge that I'm giving them is. Um, and they still go off in their own merry ways and make all the mistakes. And that's what that whole statement from Buffett is, what a wise man does in the start, a fool does in the end. And when I was very young, 
in my late teens and early 20s, somebody said to me, Dale, if somebody knows how to do what you do, has got more money than you and where you want to be, just shut up and listen and do what they say. Um, so please um, take that as advice from myself. Two ears, one mouth, use them that way and you can't learn while you're flapping your gums. Listen and then do. But that really does bring us to the end of the show and we really hope you enjoyed it because um, I enjoyed it, everyone. So, But thank you as always for taking part and we'll see you again next Tuesday. <coughs> My voice is going now. Uh, We'll see you again next Tuesday at 7pm. So for now, goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.